Hi everybody and welcome to the final episode of the Business Owners Podcast. Uh, I am Gary, I am the Creative Director here at Capital Content and I have been your host for this season. Um, We have had a whole raft of businesses join us on the Business Owners Club Podcast. We've had uh, tech companies from New Zealand, we've had marketing uh, consultancies from California, we've had real estate agents, we've had designers, we've had uh, even a natural skincare brand like such a wide knowledge uh, and wide range of challenges that we've had to overcome today we're blessed to have benjamin weston benjamin how are you i'm good thank you very much gary uh thank you very much for joining us now we uh know each other from way back i say way back probably like four or five years you know yeah, yeah. yeah uh but you are serial entrepreneur i want to use that phrase there's from what i've seen there's been a number of businesses that have kind of come under your belt over the past few years what who who are you representing today what what, what's the main what's the main squeeze at the moment so at the moment i work on uh, two organizations projects missions purposes whatever whatever the right semantic to use uh probably best we focus on one of them so the first is uh, the shine light project which is a, a non-profit organization uh, and our, our mission and goal is to get more people contributing to their community. Um, and we help uh, founders of nonprofit organizations uh, to kind of reach their goals and what they're trying to do. And then alongside that, I run a business called Showing Up, which is where I think we'll probably spend most of our time. Uh, and we also have a foundation as part of Showing Up. And, and what we do at Showing Up is we're, we build bespoke training programs, which are quite unorthodox which essentially help people show up at their best and be brilliant in how they communicate uh, with the people they work with. And, and our goal really is to help people really maximize their contribution to uh, their customers, their colleagues, and also the causes they, they care about. Mate, this is all amazing stuff. So, so the Business Owners Club is all about a knowledge share, right? We want to help other business owners, you know, combat the challenges that you or I or any other business owner have had to overcome. You know, there's been a, a, a unemployment, it's pretty hard out. You know, there's a million people unemployed and we want to get people from self-employed, sorry, unemployed to self-employed. And if we can share all the knowledge and all the speed bumps and accidents that we've made over the past however many months and years, then that's the good thing, right? So, like I said, you you know, like I said, we've got three business units, the projects, however you want to describe it. What, why, why why did you start, let's say, the uh, the showing up? side of it like you know what what what, what kind of kick-started that project what what was the first thing yeah so i think uh, i think it, steve jobs said you can only connect connect the dots looking backwards and for me i always wanted to create an organization uh, i didn't necessarily want to be a ceo or a leader of an organization i want to be part of creating something and but also when i when i left education i was always quite security focus so i knew i wanted to go into a big organization and for one of a term learn the ropes. security you mean by job security yeah absolutely and th- that might be the thing we, we pick up on because i yeah i wasn't quite brave enough to go being for one of us i'm an entrepreneur or business owner from from the outset i, I had a good mate uh, rich edmonds who runs an amazing business called runderwear who straight from leaving education he went and started his own business and i always admired him for that so I always knew I wanted to do it, but I also thought I would do best learning elsewhere. So I worked for a couple of big corporate organizations. Uh, I mean, when I was younger in my teens, I worked for tons of temp jobs, yeah. trying to save up to go around the world and whatever. Yeah. 
but then I worked for a couple of big organizations and then basically it started going a sliding scale of businesses getting smaller and smaller and eventually worked for an organization called the Chemistry Group who I was a client of theirs. They blew me away. They're everything that I sort of believe the company should be. And I was lucky enough to then go and work with them. I joined, I was probably about the 35th employee then. And the founder, Roger Philby, uh, remains a great inspiration to me. And I worked there for just over two years. And it was at that point I knew my next step would be start my own organization. Do it by yourself. Now, well, having said that, during taking a few steps back, I had by this point been part of founding a charity called Indigo Volunteers. Uh, led by the uh, amazing Holly Penalva. So I had actually, by this point, had experience in being part of creating something. But again, it was a charity alongside our day jobs. So it's quite low risk. Yeah. And the enjoyment I got from that and the enjoyment I got from being part of a small organization. And then by that point, I'd formulated the idea that I thought I, I've got, so I've spotted a, a missing, I, I spotted a gap that I think needs to be fulfilled or filled perhaps in the marketplace yeah and, and so the fact it, it that was. you could do it yourself as well that you the, that you had or you could have a, a lot of impact in that gap right yeah absolutely and and that's an interesting point right because i'd i'd basically created the organization by this point even though it hadn't yet been created which was i developed a methodology to developing people and how they show up whilst at chemistry and it just therefore became a very natural thing that that I would then go and do that next. Right. So you kind of, you, without knowing what you're saying, is you created a product or, or you, you productize you effectively or your mentality. Yeah, that, that's actually quite a nice way of, of summarizing, actually. That's exactly what happened. So that therefore played into my sort of slight adverse, like my sort of slight adverse reaction to risk. Because by this point, I'd been part of forming one thing which had become. It was really contributing to saying amazing Indigo volunteers and also developed a product which I knew worked. And therefore, in inverted commas, all I then had to do was go and get the first client. Yeah. Which was then meant I could actually eat from from doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To, you know, and you know, I think it's said that in fact, I think it's my friend, it's my friend Rich Evans that first said this to me, which was the sort of three biggest addictions uh, are tobacco, alcohol, and a monthly paycheck. <laughs> yeah right and i really know what he meant by that because it is a it's a hard thing to leave yeah it is yeah that, that safety blanket right so to talking about benjamin yourself obviously all of these projects uh and businesses are very third sector right they're they're volunteering they're not for profit and i think you as a person you need to be that kind of person do you know what i mean it's, it's a bit like my wife is a nurse and she, you're a nurse for a reason, right? You, you, it's not that you love the money because that's definitely not the case, right? You are a nurse for a reason. You have a story behind you to say, this is why I'm a nurse. Is there a story behind you as to why you are in, you're mentally in this third sector, this got help with volunteering, making yourself a better person, charity-based projects? Is there something, you know, why, are you, why is that your focus? Yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a really good question. So for me, I think we ultimately we are a product of our inspirations and reference points. Yeah. And for me, when I was growing up, my granddad was the most community-minded person that there can be. You know, there's people as community-minded as him. And I always remember just how he he worked for London City Mission, and he just his his life's work was essentially helping people 
to often save people from themselves you know, that are in a pretty bad space or if, if anything else, at least try and enable people to become more fulfilled and focused in life. And it was, it was always, I always connected the dots. The people that to me that seemed to be the most content were those that seemed to contribute the most to a cause. And not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to mean a nonprofit cause, but it can mean something where you think there's a real, there's a real purpose behind behind the product yeah. or, the, or, or, the, or the service. And so there was that part of me. And then I also, whatever it was, I've always had a, a, an aversion or a sort of disdain for whatever you want to call it, injustice at one strong end of the continuum or just the kind of things that which are unnecessary suffering at the other end. So that that's kind of, I think, within me and from my experiences. And then, but having said that, I also really, I'd always enjoyed studying and learning about enterprise and business right. and economics. And I was always fascinated by brands. So, you know, like I, yeah. I remember the first time I sipped Guinness when I was probably 16, 17, and and always remember the iconic av- advertising. So to me, I think it, there's always something about being part of something which which is meaningful. And that's kind of always been the, the sort of burning fuel. That and, and then along the way, you meet a bunch of whole other people that you think are doing entrepreneurial things that mean something yeah and you know that kind of led inevitably to to doing what i do now i guess yeah that's right and there's that you know i feel there is that single silver thread in amongst each individual person and what i mean by that is is that i am a creative or i class myself as a creative by heart but you know that single silver thread through me i'm a creative and that's what i choose to do yourself you, you i think it's that giving back to the community you know that that's your silver thread that you know that that, that runs through you you know my, again i'll go back to my wife my wife's a nurse so that's that's that thread that goes through her it's that single spine kind of effect and i think that is something that people when starting a business that they should really kind of re- reflect on they should don't don't or my suggestion is don't start a business because you think you can generate revenue from it. Don't try drop shipping or don't try and start a business because you, you know, you, it, it makes money. Do something that is your, either your passion or something that you genuinely believe in that you, that you, and, you, and it's that awful quote. And I've used it in a previous thing. Again, I think it's probably Steve jobs. If you don't, you know, you don't, if you do something, uh, if you do something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But it's it's wider than that. What I mean is that you'll get so much more back, so much back from it, and your business will grow probably, you know, exponentially if you do stuff that is part of that silver thread through your body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know there'll be people that do start businesses because of money. Yeah. And there'll be some that have, have achieved that. But for, I would say, the lion's share of people that you, and this year, or 2020, rather, last year, was perhaps the greatest demonstration of that, that when it hits the fan, which it will, if you don't truly believe what you're doing or don't really love it, you will just drop it. And actually, there's, there's not necessarily a bad thing to start something which then doesn't succeed. But if you want it to succeed, which, you know, which of course is yeah. uh, subjective to kind of your own determination of what success looks yeah. like, it's very hard to maintain the motivation if you don't really love what it is that you're doing. Yeah, it's your calling, right? I, I have this spiel when I do my presentations where I say that I separate my working life into three different sections. My jobs, my career, 
and my calling. My jobs were like real estate agent, factory worker. My career was that I worked for Vodafone for 12 years as a strategic corporate account manager. And then my calling was that I help businesses grow using content. And I think it's that. I think if you focus on what your calling is, quote unquote, uh, I think you could really kind of help push your own business a bit further if if you feel you have a calling you might not have a calling oh i always find it a bit funny like there's like you know joe blogs limited written on the back of a, a haulage company and i'm like did you set out in life to go yes i definitely want to start a haulage company like i am I'm, i've been put on this earth to transport bricks from a to b you know how, how do people get into that you know it's just such a strange thing to think about i always think that when i drive past particularly on the M1, when you drive past massive factories, I think, wow, that started with some person that was perhaps passionate about sugar. Yeah. Uh, and and then all of a sudden they've got a they've got a factory. Yes. Yeah. You know, quite a quite a remarkable thing to see. Yeah, it's nuts. So I, I want to talk a bit about karma, right? Because I, I truly I'm not a, a spiritual person. Uh, but I do believe in karma. I do believe in doing good things and good things will come back to you, right? Uh, and I'll tell you a story and you won't know this. So we originally met through a, a mutual friend, Christina, right? Christina Lindquist. And she is now head of marketing for Brompton Cycles, right? Massive role. Yeah. Um, amazing. And uh, I think Facebook friends, she saw that you were launching an app. Uh, you needed someone to do photography, videography, whatever it might be. I, I commented, said, yeah, I'll do it, come along. And that was at the very start of Capital Content. That was me, a laptop, one lens, and I think we even went live. I think we did Facebook Live as well. And a, and a laptop, you know, in my living room, right? And I, I did it for free, was starting off. You know, it, it was a really hot summer's day in that little church thing or whatever it was in the middle of town. Uh, it, it was it was a great day, you know, and the video came out really well, did an interview. And, and like I said, before I'd started Capital Content, I'd never pressed record on a camera before. So it was all purely just running gun stuff right but the video came out really well the i did it for free because i needed the exposure you guys needed the exposure to help push this app as well one of the business partners was phil um i forget his surname he was Bolland, yeah, phil yeah that's it yeah he was the channel marketing manager for newton europe massive consultancy firm i say massive very large consultancy firm six months nine months after I'd made that video for you guys, he then rings me up saying, oh, I work for a company called Newton. We need a couple of videos. Six months later, they'd spent 150 grand and completely changed my business. And it accelerated the growth of my business to go from one person with a laptop and a camera to almost five people, six months, a team of six freelancers, working 80 hours a week it just went absolutely nuts and i think obviously that is a, a a huge example of karma right but doing good things and good things coming back like that's a massive jump but i i truly believe that the the people that you meet along the way when starting your own business uh help everyone else around you you help your friends be good to the people around you both above and below because if you do good things, good things come back. And, and I'm sure because of that silver thread that runs through you right now, that you believe in that as well, right? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. And I think I, w I would elaborate on the point as well, which I think is a great story because if, if I could give one bit of advice to anybody, and this is not just business owners, it's every time that you show up, do your earnest to contribute uh, authentically and sincerely and be really genuine what you do and look after the people that 
you're working with, whether it's a customer or someone that is a, a supplier to you. One thing that's always baffled me when I've been, and I am a supplier, is when you're treated quite poorly or can be treated poorly by the person's the client, which has always perplexed me because with, with our business showing up, so I'm only just about to launch a website. So I've run the business for three and a half years without even a business card. Every single bit of business has come through somebody that I've either worked with personally or someone that knows someone that knows someone. Yeah. And so I've never actually, to this point, I've never actually even requested if anyone wants to work with us because it's it's all come about through great connections. Now that that's not a, a self-indulgent pat on the back. It's 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 merely a, a story to, to demonstrate that if, if you really want to grow a business and you really wish to, and even if you wish to grow what you're contributing with inside an organization you work for, it's absolutely paramount that you build great relationships and yeah. and see every single thing that you do as a potential opportunity to grow what you care about. Absolutely. And be be your authentic self, right? Yeah, it's yeah, and that's actually the, the thing around authenticity. So there's co- there's common words that suddenly become for want of a better term like a fad. And like link, LinkedIn is kind yeah. of like the pool for it, right? So you yeah. go into LinkedIn and there'll be certain words or themes or virtues or values that become popular and people talk about and but then they become a cliche and there's truth behind cliches but authenticity is what was one of those words certainly in the sort of 2000 early 2010s yeah it's sort of dwindling out now i think woke's kind of kind of been yeah. pieces overtaken everything but interesting about authenticity is that people know what it means from a sort of standard definition perspective but wholeheartedly I, I really do not see that many people truly be authentic because to be authentic means to only do the things that you were born for that truly born for right the, the things that are so innate to you and i mean i'm kind of interested in genomes and and understanding dna and i'm by no means an expert i've just gone down that rabbit hole a bit and the current thinking is that if i have this right about 70 percent of who we are is, is fixed so this this the, the podcast I listened to is a Sam Harris interview. The gentleman talking about this said not to let parents too much off the hook, but basically your kid is kind of their destiny is almost 70% shaped. So we are born with a certain way of being. Yeah. And of course, a business gives you a great opportunity to to be that authentic self. Uh, but it's it's still something which I think is massively lacking in particularly in the corporate environment. And that's because it's a really difficult thing to do in, in the way that we've formulated what is you know whether you want to call it the the enterprise or the free market um, whereas interestingly in the non-profit work that i do authenticity is is almost a given yeah and so you have this it's almost like a trade-off it feels like in the in the corporate environment and i think this is changing it's certainly it's changing in small firms it's certainly changing a lot of big firms now as well i've got a friend who works at red board that says you can really be authentic self but often when you walk through the, the the doors at a corporation it's almost like you kind of leave your authenticity at the door yeah <laughs> and and actually i think one superpower that being a business owner gives you i think if you've i would recommend anybody runs their own business not anybody but i recommend a lot of people just even try to run a business even just for a few years mm-hmm. uh, almost like as an extended secondment and i i would almost guarantee that if you did that for a few years and you step back into corporate environment you will never show up the same as you did previously absolutely 
Yeah, oh, um, I, I completely agree. I, I am. I was in that corporate world for years, right? I was a corporate, well, a strategic, global strategic account manager for Vodafone, and man, if I look at myself then to what I am now, I am. Mar- I couldn't do it. I'm miles away from that, right? So th- th- let's talk about challenges. Let's think about uh, like obviously you. We have both experienced you know, small and large challenges in terms of business creation or business growth, you know, what's been one of the the biggies for you over the past however many years from a, from starting a business or growing a business? So the, the, the one I'd like to focus on is when things go wrong within a client that you're working with. So of course this is, this, I think this will, this will be able to be relevant for almost anybody, but particularly those that work in professional services or someone that basically has a client, mm-hmm. which was we were, it was, our, it was our biggest client and we were brought in by the, the CEO who I'd worked with previously. So he knew how, how I worked and what I stood for and that's the reason we were invited in. And we kicked off this really large scale project. It was going to be certainly for a few years and it started brilliantly. So about four months into the project, we'd basically built a pilot. We had about 30 people in the pilot and the results of the pilot were really strong. And the idea was we would now go on to build quite a substantial learning development program. And then about four months into this, a new director came in that was then going to be our main point of contact. Uh, And we were really, really impressed by the way he showed up. And, but it became powerful quite quickly that we weren't his cup of tea. And all of a sudden, what looked like a, a sort of seamlessly brilliant, high-flying project was in quite a lot of spot of bother. And the the lessons I want to share in this story are it's kind of this dualism. So the first of all is to always stay true to your values. Uh, but the second thing is the importance of being able to flex uh, your, your style and how you show up, even if sometimes you don't think you necessarily should. Because what happened was... I always, I often use a, a model with spiral dynamics to describe things. So I don't think it's, it's, I certainly know it's not known by many people, but spiral dynamics is one of the, if not the greatest empirical uh, research ever done into understanding culture. And, and that, I mean, culture uh, you, at a national level, a uh, corporation level, within your own family, within your own friends. And it was developed um, by a guy called Claire Graves and taken on by uh, Beck and Cowan, or like he was protégés. It describes that basically humanity exists on eight levels. And so you as an individual will be at one of eight levels and a cor- every organization will be at certain levels. So yeah. level one is primal, like when you're born. So no one's really there anymore. Uh, this is, is like, uh, the levels of enlightenment, right? Yeah, so level two is like level of the tribe. So every startup, think of Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs in their garage. That's very level, tr- very level two tribe. Yeah. Level three is egocentric level, which is when you've got a Steve Jobs building Apple, right? Everything revolves around the one leader and it's like my way or the highway. Level four is the is a system, like the sort of bureaucracy, government, organized religions like level four. Level five is basically defined best by capitalism. So innovation, entrepreneurial spirit. Level six is communal, which is the level of uh, egalitarian meritocracies. And almost all of humanity exists on those six levels. Yeah. And you, for example, will have a mixture of those levels within you, right? Yeah. And... Every level has pros and cons, right? So the pros of a tribe level two is that you're kind of, you have this core purpose, you're united, you have this energy to go and sort of do something really amazing in the world. The downside is, is that you're quite, it's quite inward looking. It can kind of be unimaginative, uncreative. 
the benefits of level three are it's it's incredibly courageous and bold the downside is it's like totally pathological and tyrannical or, or despotic at the worst end of it mm-hmm. uh, and and so on and so forth and so the the way that we work in the organization we're very level two and level six so if we're building a pilot we build a genuine caring relationship with the people we're working with we connect with them we build a mentality and and a determination to do something great and we're very level six which is create work and environments which are truly equal, diverse, inclusive, where people can be their authentic selves. And when this director came in, by default, his role requires him to be really level four and five. So what he was seeing was these couple of guys going round, yeah. <laughs> showing up in a way that didn't meet his expectations or needs. Yeah. And as because of that, the whole thing almost got railroaded. Anyway, I could go through a long story, but the, the lesson I want to share was is that in that moment, our values are really challenged. And the thing I'm really proud of is that we stay true to what we stand for and believe in. Yeah, because you could have molded, right? You could have, you know, tried to appeal to his values to win the deal. But it's not something that you want to do, right? Well, yes, but what we had to do, right, was then, but was to flex other elements of how we were working. Because the truth was, he really had a point, right? So, right. <laughs> so the essence of the work we were doing was great. And what we were doing, and I'm naturally quite sensitive, was we first got reaffected really and almost like personally hurt yeah. that things were being questioned. But actually what he was questioning was something else. And the ability to remove your ego from any situation is one of, if not the biggest challenge that one can face in or any walk of life, but certainly when running a business. And for whatever it was, we... we, we whether it's a gift from above or not, we were we were able to overcome our sensitivity and sort of level of hurt and to stand in his shoes and understand actually what he was seeing wasn't the whole picture. But likewise, he did have a point, which was we weren't given enough of the, this is a project plan. This is the Gantt chart of the project. Yeah. These are the components we're building and so on and so forth. And it was that ability to take a step back remove the ego from the situation, the sensitivity, stand in, in his shoes, understand where he was coming from. And in the end, we, we, we got through it. But if I went through that again, I think we'd get through it even quicker. In fact, I don't think the same mistakes would happen because we didn't have this knowledge of spiral dynamics at the time. And when you've got knowledge of that, the, the superpower it gives you is being able to empathize with people. Because yeah. no level's better or worse. They're just different. Absolutely. And, and- so... so so someone might want a project plan, which I generally don't like because I'm more busy creating. Yeah, but I free thinking. Principally, yeah. they're they're really important. Some people want a word doc. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, absolutely, and and the, the the great outcome of that was that I think the the most valuable lesson we ever get is when you learn something, which we did. But the project became even more successful because of it, and and actually the relationship that yeah we have now with that with that director is 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 a one that I value as much as I value any relationship. Yeah. And I think you're right about the ego side of it. Like if you're working for another company, if you're working for somebody else and someone gives you bad feedback on your product, it doesn't hurt you emotionally, right? Because it's not your product. But if you're working for yourself and someone says, no, your product is it's not good for us or gives you bad feedback or whatever it is, it cuts, man. Like even to the, you know, to the, 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 
minuscule amount of you know someone giving me feedback on a video saying oh no this you've got these subtitles wrong or this is not what we asked for in the brief and i'm like that's minimal you know it's not emotion there's rational side of it and i'm like oh i've poured my heart into this product for the past five years i've cried in the shower over my product give me give me a break right Uh, (laughs) but you you need to let go it's it you know they're not angry at you they're not cutting at you they're cutting at the product and if you have the mentality around if you get poor feedback if you if you're doing the wrong thing take use the feedback for improvement not not don't take it the wrong well it sounds super cliche don't take it the wrong way what i mean is like use the feedback to improve your product so it doesn't happen again kind of thing yeah there's a virtue i i I agree and there's a virtue called self-forgetfulness which is is perhaps is is a perhaps uh one of the greatest gifts we could all give to our world if we possess this which is it's not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less oh and 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 what what we tend to do is that we people often think ego is this supercharged person that is going around with with these super extreme extroverted behaviors and domineering and it is that but ego can also be wallowing in your own pity about well i'm i'm not loved enough or people don't understand my product enough or we don't get enough whatever it is mm-hmm. and as soon as you place yourself in the center of the world it's a sure path to fail and that fail not, might not necessarily mean the outcome of a project or revenue but it will certainly mean to your own enjoyment of what you're doing and it's yeah i think you're right in that people will give feedback that you might find hard to hear um and sometimes that feedback might be wrong but whether it's right or whether it's wrong the, the truism is is that it's how you handle it and respond to it which is the most important yeah and sort of sing yourself a sad song cry me a river type thing yeah uh well it is 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 never going to be uh, a behavior conducive to to progress absolutely so we know why you and i've started businesses right we it, it's our calling you know that this is what we want to do it's what we're good at we get pride from it and we get emotion from it why should someone start a business you know there are people out there that you know love doing stuff that they're currently doing for free or you know they've just been made redundant and they they feel they have this entrepreneurial spirit inside them why should someone take the risk and make that jump into business ownership i think there's many reasons but the the one that sticks out above all for me is about developing anti-fragility it's, which is a phrase I borrow from Nicholas, sorry, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. So people talk a lot about resistance as, as they should. But what Nassim Taleb describes is that the, whilst the resistance and the robust will kind of be resilient to shocks, the anti-fragile gets stronger. So when there's stress that comes along, if you're anti-fragile, you'll not only will resist that, you'll come out and you'll be even... You're stronger at the other end. Yeah. yeah, whether it's more courageous, whether it's more frugal, whatever it might be. And I th- that perhaps aside from physical challenges, whether, whether the extreme and the continuum of like going to you know, the North Pole, I think that running a business, in all my experiences, having worked in big corporate environments, having been worked in some sort of extreme working class roles, and then running our own business, I think the one that is, will, is likely to lend itself to building anti-fragility is running your own business, which is why I'd recommend as as long as you've got enough tolerance for risk, which doesn't have to be super high, and as long as you've got the ability to kind of create something, because of course running a business is not for everybody, 
then I really recommend people go and do it. Even if you do it as a side gig alongside something yeah. else, you know, even if it meant go four days a week or three days a week, yeah. because what you have to learn is everything that you will never probably have to learn in an organization. So the ability to create a brand, right? even if it's a basic one, and the ability to communicate what you do in a way that people understand, if the ability to then actually get customers, whether that's a handful of customers buying a t-shirt or someone to buy your services, you have to learn the ability to sell, to persuade people in a way which is genuine and sincere. You then have to learn the ability to manage projects, uh, even if that's a small scale project. Having to learn how to run finances. I, I mean, I actually, when I started, when we started Indigo Volunteers, I had not even close to, I had nervous breakdowns over the HMRC and organizing taxes yeah. and you know, really brutal things. It's, it's like why I'd always advise someone to try and raise money for a nonprofit in an unorthodox way. Like I've had some, we've done some fundraising things which have been so painful to actually, to actually be a success. And so when you're, to do all of that, to have an idea and make something of it that someone eventually gives you money for, as in they've said, your service is worth it. Yeah. But then even more so, if you get someone to repeat the business, yeah. you just learn, you learn creativity, you learn yeah. how to gather information, you learn how to uh, turn uh, uh, ideas into something which means something, you have to build curiosity, you have to uh, manage people and communicate. So you learn all of these Im immense skills, which whatever your hope or, or goal is in life, then it's going to enhance your ability to uh, withstand other stresses in life. So, and I would summarize all of that in, there's a, an incredible quote from a guy called George Bernard Shaw, who was like a sort of political activist. Um, and he said, the true joy in life is being recognized of having a purpose that recognized by yourself as being a mighty one. And I, I know I, I, I think it's analogous to think of the worst job I think I ever did was cleaning tunnels in Sydney, actually. So it was a temp job when I was, and rightfully so, when you're a backpacker, you should get the worst jobs. Yeah, pick and, and peppers, right? And, you're, and you're, getting, you're getting paid, I think, $14, I think it was. I can't, I can't remember the equation. And we're getting taxed 29% on that. And I basically had a 30-foot long pole with a brush at the end of it. And for eight hours straight in Sydney's dirtiest tunnel, equivalent of Dartford, I guess, Yeah, we had someone yelling in my face whilst I... And my three mates were rubbing off dirt from yeah. this tunnel wall. And at the end of the night, I, we had blisters all over our hands. I couldn't hear for about a week. I swear it was the beginning of my tinnitus in my right ear. I think the yeah. tire amps didn't help that. And it was mortifyingly hard. And everybody got sat because if you worked two nights in a row, they gave you a bonus. And obviously they had, they had some sort of scheme that was yeah. making sure. That I, I bet that first VB was, was delicious though when you got off v that. <laughs> Oh no, mate. We were we were coopers. Oh, we, were, right. we were we we were we were premium beer drinkers. Yeah, right, I, gotcha. I've got to say, when I first went to Australia, the I wasn't impressed by the beer scheme until we found Cooper's Pale Out. And yeah. then But yeah, it was. But yeah, that was a horrible job, and it's kind of almost uh, it's kind of analogous to running your own business, right? Which is we didn't know what we were getting when we showed up to that night. It sounded actually quite fun. Yeah. Like, all clean tunnels. That sounds like quite cool. Yeah, we lads, we. And then, then you get into it and like, what have I done? And the thing is, there was no getting out. Yeah. Right? There was, because we were literally in the middle of this, I don't know how long the tunnel is, it's quite long. Yeah. 
And um, you know, the, the thing is with a business, that's, that's what it can do to you, which is it puts you in places which you never expected. You get a left hook out of nowhere. And of course, whilst that's tough, what you, what you get as a result of it is also quite poetic. Ben, I knew before you came onto this episode that this was going to be the best bumper issue. I knew I was going to put you on last. <laughs> so look, I think it's been amazing. I don't think it has been amazing to have you on this final episode of the Business Owners Club podcast. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question. Super quick. I didn't tell you about this. Books. You're a very well-read man. What would you recommend? First book, if you were to start a business owner, or if you were about to be a business owner, what would be the first book someone should pick up? You know, Whether it's kind of self-help, biography, whatever. What, what would be the first book that you would recommend for someone to pick up? Okay, word of warning. This is going to be longer than what we've just recorded. So <laughs> I love books. Yeah, um, I do. So, I, so I've actually got, I actually put together a recommended reading list uh, for which is it subdivided into about 27 different categories. So I, I do love books. And I... I would recommend if you're going to start a business that reading is is yeah. paramount. So let me try and pick off a few. I think from a a mindset mentality point of view, which is how to you know have the resilience and the ability to have the robustness and indeed anti fragility. I would recommend reading the book Anti Fragile by uh, Nassim Taleb. But the one I'd pick out is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which he was. Uh, the leader of Rome, yep. the most successful leader, the Roman Empire. And this book is basically his diary to himself and it is so eloquent and beautiful. And I think it, even just reading a page of that a day, there's many different uh, versions of it. So actually, if people want to get the, I think there's one version which is by far the best because I've bought four of them. Yeah. Um, then if they get my reading list, it's got, it's got the link on there. That's not one of those terrible things to basically go, download this. And <laughs> yeah, the PDF comes um, with the book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I recommend those those two books. Um, I think from a, an entrepreneurial point of view, there's a great book by Ryan Holiday called The Perennial Seller. Right. Um, perennial meaning something lasts forever. Yeah. And oh, Mark, do you know what? that came Ryan up Hol on my uh, on my uh, recommended list actually only last night to tell the truth. Yeah, I mean it's basically Ryan Holiday is a master of marketing. He became the marketing director of American Power when he was 21. Right. But it is. It is a, it's the best book I've read on the importance of building product first and don't worry about marketing until you've built a great product. Build a great product. It won't sell itself, but it will be as close as possible. So I recommend that. And I think the final one I'd say before I get too carried away, there is a book I read called Start It Up by Luke Johnson, which I think when I read it, reread it a couple of years ago, it, was, it wasn't, there's there's more advanced books on entrepreneurship, but I think if you're if you're thinking about starting a business, that's a great book to begin with. Um, Mate, so, yeah. I, I dig it. I knew that was going to be a big question for you. Look, th <laughs> th thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, listeners, thank you for dialing in. Hopefully, you've listened to all episodes of season one. I mean, we've really tried to help. You know, anybody, whether they're a current business owner right now facing challenges or people that are wanting to start a business, you know, we've really tried to kind of get such a, a wide variety of expertise and industries and, and, and mentalities to really help the the unemployed to self-employed and ben you've absolutely created so much value for people so i want to thank you hugely for this bumper issue final episode of the business owners club podcast um listeners thank you much for tuning in 
you can listen to all of season one on businessownersclub.co. Uh, listen out for season two. We've got big visions for it. Hopefully we can have webinars and mentorship programs and Zoom meetings or even face-to-face if we're allowed. Bring your business cards. Thanks very much for listening. Catch you later. Peace.